Hey guys, so we're getting to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. It's getting a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can, as we continue to serve our Lord. Getting guys to find the podcast on YouTube, please subscribe here. And you can also find the podcast anywhere you can get your podcast. And we're just so thankful you guys have found us and that you guys are with us today. Okay, so there's some excitement for this one. I, I had to pull an audible. I had another topic before, and we're going to do that one. But I think this one, not only just because of the excitement of it, but also this is kind of fresh still because I'm thinking about it. I'm kind of meditating on this and studying on this. So I kind of wanted to do this while it was fresh. So, And I think you guys will understand as we kind of keep going and conversate. So as we get started, I got my Bible and tablet out. Maybe you're in a group study or maybe you're walking or in the gym or you're hanging out, you're doing whatever that you're doing. As we're getting prepped to get ready uh, to study, here's where we want to start. And I think you'll understand where this topic is going to lead us as we continue to conversate and study today. So there was once a um, there was once a young woman who lived a rebellious life. And sometimes people live rebellious lives for different reasons. Sometimes you live a rebellious life just for the sake of doing it, for the for the excitement, for the curiosity, for the thrill. Sometimes that's why you do it. But then sometimes people are led to a rebellious life. And I think sometimes people are led to a rebellious life because of what they're not receiving from important places and important people in their lives. And so when they don't receive those things that they need, and even things that they don't think they need, they're going to go and going to try to find it in other places, right? So sometimes people are led to a rebellious life. Either way, this is the life that this woman was living. And so obviously when you live this type of life, what it can do quickly is it can humble you quickly because of the effects of the life that you're living. And so if that wasn't the main thing, though, it humbled her, but that wasn't the main thing that humbled her. She came in contact with God. And this woman, guys, she completely changed. I'm talking about her attitude is totally different. The way she carries herself is totally different. The way she handles conflict, the way she handles her enemies, the way that she that she talks about Christ, it's different now. You ever met somebody who's the same person, but they're different. This is this is the situation that's happening here. She's the same, but she's different. And so naturally, the change is amazing when, when something happens like that for somebody. But on the flip side of change, there's always those who knew you before. And there were people, there were friends, there were family in her life that knew who she was before, the things she was doing, the things she would participate in, her attitude, the things she would say. And so as they came in contact with her, they couldn't believe that she changed. There's no way that this there's no way that this is possible that someone like you could change. And she simply kind of looked at her friends and she said, "I can't really stop you because I didn't really give a good image of what a good person should have been. But all I can tell you is that Jesus changes you and he's changed me." So so here's why I wanted to start with that. Because when we talk about change, there's a lot of things that we don't like in life. And, and one of those things is change. You know, maybe maybe some people, be, and it's a natural thing, but some people don't like the change of seasons. Sometimes people don't like the change of scenery. Sometimes people don't like the change of people coming in and out of their lives. Sometimes people don't adjust well 
to change. And that's just kind of physical things. But sometimes we don't adjust to people changing. And and here's where I want to go with this as we kind of start our conversation. I think this is one of those things, guys, where it's one of those nice things that we always say and we always teach and pray about and, and, and preach on that we want people to change, right? We want people to change and and change their lives and, and become better and to grow and we want people to be different. But what happens when they actually do that? I think most times than not, we're more surprised that they actually change rather than rejoicing that people actually changed. <clears throat> and I think what what we can do is sometimes we can be like those friends of that girl that we talked about before. And we can say, well, there's no way that's not possible. They, they can never change or we can just never believe it, you know, and especially here's the thing about our memory. Our memory is a powerful tool that the Lord has given us. But sometimes that tool can be used against yourself. But sometimes that power of memory can be used against other people. So <clears throat> those friends that knew her before, what they did, they've kept in their memory snapshots of who this person was before. And in their mind, there's no way that that person could change. And so what we do is sometimes we see people, we see the same people, but we see those same people change. In our minds, we already have a snapshot of what they were. So that wasn't your attitude before. I don't, I don't believe you. You didn't change. So then what we do as, as Christians sometimes is we want people to prove to us, prove to me that you change. Yet, well, you never really begged, you know, for, um, you know, for, for my forgiveness. So yeah, there's no way you change. Uh, there's no way your attitude changed. I knew who you were before you were just so blatant. You did whatever you wanted. You see what we do. Sometimes we don't believe that people change. And so what we want to talk about is the topic of, I know you don't believe me, but Jesus has changed me. I know you don't believe me, but Jesus has changed me. It's, a, it's an incredible thing. And, and what we want to do, we want to start, we're going to get to do a little back work, but we, we got to start in Genesis 32. So get your Bibles, tablet out as we kind of get ready. Here's where we're going. We're going to look at the life of Jacob. Jacob, obviously, being one of the forefathers, he was such an integral part in so many things in the Lord's plan. But the thing about Jacob was Jacob was a Jacob was a man that changed. So Jacob changed from a deceiver to a father of nations. But but the thing that happened in between that time for Jacob, it was an impressive thing that happened with his with his transformation. But I want to really look at Genesis 32 and I want to start like in verse man, probably like verse 20 22. All right, so Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 22. So here's our back work so we can understand what's going on. So we're, we're going back in time together. Here's the back work. So Jacob here, obviously he was a deceiver with his brother. Not with his brother, but against his brother. So what Jacob did, Jacob listened to his mother, and Jacob deceived Esau to get Esau's blessing. Now what was important at this time, back in these days, the oldest son will receive the blessing. So what Jacob essentially did, Jacob stole the blessing from his older brother. 
And now Esau is so angry with him that he wants to kill him. Now, remember also Esau gave that blessing up because he was so hungry from hunting in the field that he basically traded it for what Jacob was cooking, baby, basically a, a pot of beans. And he said, look, if you give me that, I'm so hungry, I'm going to die. If you give me that, then I'll give you the blessing. And so Esau gives the blessing away. Jacob then goes, and now he's with Laban, his father-in-law. Jacob loves this girl, Rachel. She's beautiful, and what he wants to do is marry her. But on the wedding day, he finds out that Laban has tricked Jacob as Jacob tricked his brother. And now he's marrying Leah, Rachel's sister. But Jacob loves Rachel so much that he serves for Rachel for another seven years so that he can have Rachel. So then we find ourselves now in Genesis chapter 32. And now remember the last snapshot, the last memory, the last image that Jacob has of his brother Esau was you wanted to kill me. That's the last image that I've got of you. And then now we find ourselves here in Genesis 32. A messenger comes and tells Jacob, uh, Esau's coming. <laughs> Esau's coming and he has 400 men with him. So now what do you think as we're getting ready to study this, what do you think Jacob's feeling right now? You, you ever have that with people sometimes, you know, uh, Hey, look, is that so-and-so over there? Hey, look, is that so-and-so? Hey, Hey, so-and-so's on the way. They're, they're about to come over here. And then you kind of freak out a little bit, man, the last time I saw him, it wasn't good. Last time they didn't like this. I, last time I saw him, they didn't like me. Uh, last time I saw him, you know what I mean? And then you have that, you have that weird feeling. And y'all know that this happens because on a, on a lighter note, you know, when people, you know, there's times where you got, you got your friends and this guy's, this guy's there and we're hanging out together. And then, oh, dude, 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 there she is. There she is. There's the person. Oh, dude, I, I gotta go. I gotta go. Right. So then people just, they just run out the way because they don't want to see somebody. That's kind of what's happening here with Jacob and Esau. 400 guys are coming. Esau's coming. Jacob's thinking he's going to kill me now. He finally got me. He finally got me. Now we find ourselves here in Genesis chapter 32. Now let's begin in verse number 22. So he arose that night with his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 sons. And he crossed over the ford of Jabbok. Verse 23. He took them. And he sent them over the brook and sent over everything that he had. And then Jacob was left alone. Okay. Now, remember, what are we talking about here? We're talking about, I know you don't believe me, but I've changed. So, again, he understands his brother's coming. The last snapshot image that I have of my brother is he wants to kill me. And he's probably got 400 bloodthirsty men that are going to kill me along with him. So now. Jacob, for sake of his family, I'm sending everybody else over, and I'm just doing this solo. I'm doing this on my own. Isn't that interesting sometimes, guys, when we, when we transform and when God transforms us? Isn't it interesting that we think we're in this alone? It's very interesting, isn't it? Ah, nobody, nobody's going to believe me. And, and, and what's so sad is I've seen people on the cusp of getting ready to change and getting ready to follow Jesus and be what Jesus wants them to be. But because of people aren't going to believe me, people, people know who I am. People's people seen me. I, I just can't. And then they just, they want to do things alone. Isn't it interesting that Jacob, I, I want to be alone. I want to be alone. So now watch what happens. Verse uh, 24. 
So Jacob was left alone. And then notice, what does your Bible say after Jacob was left alone? It says a man. Now, circle or highlight that. Here's what's interesting about this. Some will say this is an angel. A lot of times when an angel is present, we know that it's an angel based off of the text, based off of the language, based off of the word. We know that it's an angel. But it's very interesting. A man wrestled with him. So whenever it says a man, the same thing is said about when Gideon saw the angel or a man. This was Christ. This is an incredible thing, an incredible scene. So imagine Jacob being there by himself, understanding that Esau is coming his way, and then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, guys. When we see people that have completely changed, and you know, you know those people in your life. You know those people that you've met. You know those people that have crossed your path. And in your mind, Outwardly, they may have changed, but in your mind, you're like, there's no way. There's no way. That's not real. There's no way that they change. Here's what's interesting about this. I think what we do is when when people change, rather than celebrating that they have changed, we try to justify why they haven't changed. Oh, that's not real. That's just for show. Oh, that's not real. They're just playing around. Oh, that's not real. They're just trying to get something. They're just They're just putting on an act. You, you see what we do? We say these things, and we don't believe that people have changed. But here's here's the interesting part about people changing, guys. You weren't there when people wrestled with Jesus. <laughs> How awesome is that? You weren't there when men and women who maybe maybe you're right, maybe they did live terrible lives. Maybe they did do bad things. Maybe they weren't the right type of people. Maybe they didn't have the right type of attitude. Maybe maybe they maybe they hurt you. Maybe they said something. Maybe they did something against you. Whatever the case might be, but you were not there when that man and that or that woman wrestled with Jesus by themselves. You know, when Jesus changes you, sometimes I think we have this What's the right word? Sometimes I think we have this uh, almost this fairy tale image that it's almost like this snapshot flip of the switch change. When Jesus truly changes who you used to be, you wrestle with that not only at the moment where you understand who Jesus is, but you wrestle with that for life. And sometimes we have this Sometimes we have this utopian mindset with each other that because you are a Christian, therefore that means you should never do this. That may be true. You probably should never do said thing. But guess what? Your brother in Christ, your sister in Christ, as frustrating as it might be, they're still wrestling with Jesus because they're still trying to change who Jesus wants them to change into. But sometimes we come into places, we come into congregations, we come into groups, we come into friend groups, we come into dating circles, thinking that because you're this, you should automatically be this. Why are we not journeying with each other 
to just look at Jesus. But what we tend to do on one side of the coin, we don't believe that people can truly change. So sometimes we have folks that stay there. On the other side of the coin, we have people that get mad that you changed. And so then they don't want to help you. So now you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. But think about what Jacob's doing. Guys, when people change, you weren't there when they met Jesus alone during those dark nights when they were humbled, when their pride was brought low, when when they were in financial straits, when they were in spiritual straits, when things were happening in their lives. Guys, we just have to accept the fact that you weren't there. Yeah, but I know them, though. Yeah, I know them. This is this is who they are. This is what they've always done. I know them, though. No, you don't. They changed. You see, but in our pride and ego, what do we say? Oh, I know them. I know people. I Or we say stuff like this. I know people like them. Or I've seen cases like that. So then you automatically put all that stuff that you've seen on other people. That's not fair. Guys, people can change. So if we're going to say we want Jesus to change, folks, if we're going to say that we want Jesus to use us, this is when stuff gets real. No pun intended. This is when stuff gets real because we have to believe that people changed. We got to believe that people changed. And so Jacob here is wrestling. I love that. He's wrestling with God literally all night. And now notice what the text says. So he wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Verse 25. So when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. Now, at, at every point in this, in, this, uh, in this argument or in this fight, Jesus was in control. So it's not like Jacob was like, yeah, I'm overpowering Jesus. I'm overpowering this this messenger from God. I'm overpowering him. Jesus was in full control the whole time. Just like when Jesus was scourged to just an incredible point to almost death with the scourging. And even when Jesus was put on the cross, Jesus was in control the whole time. So it's not like we can ever prevail against Jesus. He's always been in control. He just allows these things to happen. He's always in control. Even as you wrestle with him. And you might think you're winning, but he's always in control. So now watch what it says. He wrestled with him until the breaking of day. And when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip. I love that. Think about this. They're wrestling all night. And this is how we know Jesus was in control is all he had to do was touch the socket of his hip. It's over. Just like Jesus told Peter, you know, I could call 10 legions of angels right now. He could, but this is, it shows that he's in control. So isn't it interesting as we're talking about people changing, guess what guys, we're not in control. And sometimes we like to be, we like to be the Lords over people to give them stamps of approval that they've changed. That's not my job. That's not your job. Jesus is in control, and Jesus changes them. Jesus changes them. And it's my role. Well, look, I might be a skeptic, so Lord, 
So, Lord, are you saying if somebody changes, so then what happens if they just go back and do and do what they did before? So what happens if they if they say this against me again? What what happens if they do this against me again? Well, how much should I do it? Seven times? Seventy times seven. So Jesus is trying to teach us our role in this, but he's also trying to remind us of what his role in this is. I'll be the judge of that. So your role, you forgive. Your role, you you accept them back. Your role, you treat them as a brother or sister. We're so busy trying to lord over and judge. Ah, you got to prove that to me, though. Ah, you got to. Now, I'm not saying that there's not moments where we shouldn't be wise. I know people take stuff like this, and they'll always go to the extreme with topics like this. We're not not doing that here. We're going to be smart. All right, we're not going to play childish games. So we're not saying that you, you should not be wise with things. But also, you're not, you're not the lords over people's lives to say, well, they changed or not. They wrestled with Jesus. And so if they've changed, they've changed. So now let's keep going. Verse 26. Uh, actually, the end, of, the end of 25. He touched the socket of his hip. The socket of Jacob's hip was at a joint as he wrestled with him. But he said, let me go. This is the message. This is Christ. Let me go for the day breaks. Now, here's how you know that somebody has changed. They wrestled with Christ, but then, but then watch what he says. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Now, people can take this as Jacob is dictating to God. Well, you, you better do this. This is not a dictation to God. This is not a dictation to Jesus. This is Jacob finally understanding, I started out as a deceiver. I'm wrestling with you as I'm changing. And so now I'm not letting you go. Here's how you know that somebody is changing. They're not letting Jesus go. They're not letting him go. And I think sometimes, guys, what we're going to have to admit, we're going to have to admit in our own pride. Somebody has changed. And maybe, just maybe, they're not the only ones that need to be changing in this situation. Maybe I need to change my attitude of how I'm even looking at my own brethren, how I'm looking at someone else. So maybe while I'm over here trying to judge if somebody else has changed, maybe I'm the one that needs to. Jacob said, I'm not letting you go, Lord. No, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. You know, you get to a point, guys. You get to a point where either because of your choices, life has broken you down, or because of what God allows, even if you've been good, what God allows, you're going to come to a point where all you want to do is just cling closer to Jesus. And especially, there's probably going to be a point in your life where it feels like he's the only one you can cling to. And once you get to that point, you're going to understand what I'm saying. When he's the only one that you can cling to, you'll understand why Jacob said, I'm not going to let go. 
I'm just not, I'm not going to let go anymore. So then watch what Jesus says, verse 20, uh, 27. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I love this. What is your name? Deceiver. <laughs> what is your name? Jacob. But then watch what he says. Verse 28, your name will no longer be called deceiver. Your name will no longer be called Jacob. Isn't it interesting that no one else changed Jacob's name? Jesus changed it. Jesus changes us. It's not out of me. It's not out of your works. Jesus changes people. Do you see why we just need to point people to Jesus? Because he's the one that truly changes folks. He told him, your name will no longer be this, but Israel. Watch what he said. This is, this is crazy. For you, verse 28, for you have struggled with God. Take a quick pause. Take a quick pause. We can right here, we can just kind of uh, overlook this. When you read that, and as you keep living life, for you have struggled with God, that's a, that's a life thing. That doesn't stop. And I think some people, what can happen is at times, this can be frowned upon. Because you're a Christian now, you should therefore always live this type of perfect life. Now, I'm not saying go sin. Please don't misconstrue me. But when I say struggle, Think about what, what two things can be present at the same time. You can have faith, but sometimes you could still doubt. You can have joy, but sometimes you can still mourn while you have joy. But we want things to be so pinpointed perfect that we try to make people feel and be a certain way in order to be perfect for us. He said, you have struggled with God. Jesus is alluding to his whole life. And as we, as we have the opportunity and the honor to get to know Jesus more, as we journey with him, there's going to be things you don't understand of what he does. Guess what that's called? Yes, it's called faith to follow that. But guess what that's also called? That's struggle. There's going to be things that he gives. There's going to be things that he takes away that in your mind at the time, it feels so wrong. It feels so unfair. Guess what that is? It's faith because you're following, but it's called struggle. That's going to be a lifetime, guys. It's going to be a lifetime. But as we wrestle with God, and this is not wrestling as I'm trying to beat you. This is wrestling as, Lord, I don't understand. But just like Jacob this, this hurts. We've been doing this all night. But just like Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And remember Jesus, when the disciples, when some disciples left him, 
Jesus turned to his disciple and said, are you going to leave too? And Jesus and Peter said, where else can we go? Where else but you? When you're going to struggle with God, you're going to cling on to him. You're going to hold on to him. And sometimes in your pride and ego, sometimes you're going to try to overpower him with what you want. You're going to try to overpower him by what you think is best. And he's in control this whole time. But you're going to try to overpower him with your own pride sometimes. But then it gets to a point where some things happen, certain things happen. It's kind of like that hip out of joint. But because you have nowhere else to go, I'm not going to let you go. You've struggled with God. Guys, that's okay. That's not a sin. And I don't like this, even this implication of feeling like you have to be this perfect, happy-go-lucky, everything, sunshine and rainbows all the time. And if it's not, well, I'm judging your faith. Let's stop being childish. That's not real life. That's not real life. Am I not saying that you still can't have joy? We have a peace that passes all understanding. So we're not gonna we're not gonna play scripture against scripture. We have a peace that passes all understanding. That's no doubt. But just because you have a peace that passes all understanding, Jesus had a peace. Jesus literally is the embodiment of peace. And he's in the garden crying. He's in the garden struggling, understanding what's getting ready to happen. And I have the audacity to tell myself and to tell others that listen to me that you shouldn't be like that because you don't have a strong faith. Shameful of us. We should be ashamed of ourselves. Letting that, letting that go. Teaching that. You struggle. Jesus himself is saying here, you've struggled with God. And watch what he says. You've struggled with God, but who else have you struggled with? What does your Bible say? You've struggled with men. See, guys, as you as you change and as you become what Jesus wants you to become, you're going to be in, a, in, two, in two, I'm putting up air quotes if you're not watching the video, you're putting, you're putting two fights. The first one is with Jesus. The second one is with man. You've been fighting. Think about what think about what Jacob's been doing this whole time. My I've been I've been fighting with my brother since we were literally in the womb. I grabbed his heel while he was coming out. Two nations, the Bible says, are fighting in your womb. You've struggled with God and you've been struggling with mankind. Esau, Rebecca, Isaac, uh, Laban, Rachel, Leah. Uh, Laban's sons, you've been struggling with men and you've been fighting these guys all your life. And watch what the Bible says. And you've prevailed. But verse 29, Jacob said, Jacob asked saying, tell me your name. Okay. This is, this is great. Watch. He says, tell me your name. Wait, wait, real quick, real quick, before we, before we go there, let's let's go back quickly to the end of 28 when he says men have prevailed. I want to read this to you because I think this is pretty good. When Jacob prevailed, this is not saying that, I, I wanted to make this clear. 
God is not saying to Jacob, you won, right? This is not a whatever men have thrown at you, whatever they said, you've always got on, on top. You've always deceived them. Or This is not what this is saying. When it says that Jacob has prevailed, it is he has endured through his struggle until God has conquered him. So Jacob had gotten to the point where he's battling with God and he's battling with men and he's battling and he's battling and he's battling. But God is telling Jacob, you're learning now. You actually win by losing. You actually win by losing. So now, this is how Jacob actually prevailed because he's submitting underneath the will of God now. You know how you're going to win in this life? It's not trying to one-up somebody. It's not even trying to prove to somebody that you've changed. It's you understanding that Jesus has changed you, but you stay underneath that submission. That's how you know you're winning in this life. Okay, I want to make that clear. Then verse 29, he said, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, talking about Jesus, the messenger, why is it that you ask about my name? <laughs> why is it you, that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him and he limped on it. <laughs> this is real quick. This is crazy. Uh, okay, so go back to verse 24. It said Jacob was left alone, right? Actually, no, even before that, before that, verse 22. And he arose, what does your Bible say at the, at, the, at the beginning of verse 22? He arose that night. Circle, highlight, do whatever you want to do to that verse. He arose that night. Verse 24, Jacob was left alone and then wrestled with the man until the breaking of the day. But then now watch what happens. After he submits under the will of God, and after Jacob finally understands, instead of fighting to win, I need to lose to win. Watch what happens. Just as he crossed over, what rose on him? The sun rose <laughs> and he limped on his hip. You know, joy comes in the morning. It's interesting, as you wrestle with God, you're going to come out of, that, out of that fight limping because you've been fighting him this whole time. And you've been fighting yourself this whole time. And so when you look back on who you used to be and maybe how you responded to certain situations, maybe your attitude in certain situations, you come out after you wrestle with God for a while, and this takes this takes a minute. This takes a minute. I can only speak for me. It, it took me years. It's taking ing. I'm still going. Taking me years, but you come out with a limp because I can't win, but I let the Lord win. That's a gr that's a great battle story. Yeah, the Lord beat me, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. 
So then in chapter 33, Jacob lifts up his eyes and then he sees Esau coming. And just for the sake of uh, our conversation, I want to see what happens here. So, uh, so look at verse, verse four. Uh, yeah, verse four, uh, verse three, 33, verse three. So remember, he already put his wife and children, and everybody over. So then Jacob crosses over verse three and he bowed himself to the ground to Esau. He bowed himself seven times. Isn't that interesting that after Jacob meets Jesus and he comes out of that battle understanding who he is now and understanding that his name has changed, the same brother that he hurt and deceived years ago, he's bowing. Guess what that is now? When you meet Christ, guess what's a sign that somebody has changed? Humility. Humility. So let's look at this quickly from Esau's perspective. So as Jacob, as I'm Esau and I'm coming up and I see Jacob, the last image, the last snapshot that I have of Jacob is what you did to me before. Now, Jacob comes to me, Israel now, he comes to me bowing down seven times as his brother physically, but as his brother in Christ, guess what I can be saying in my head? And guess what I could probably be saying to him too? It's about time. Took you, took you all these years to apologize. Took all these years for you to say something. Took all these years for you to finally come to me. <laughs> Good. Now you got to prove to me. Now, now you owe me. You see, and we, we might not even physically say that stuff to people, but you know good and well. Sometimes we think that. You know that. You know that. So think about what Esau could have done. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, the, that's the temptation of forgiving of another brother coming to you to ask forgiveness. The temptation is for you to lord it over. Not, not by your words, but by your action. That's the temptation when someone comes to you in humility and reaches out. That's the temptation. That's the temptation. So what did Esau do? Verse 4. But Esau ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And then they both wept. That's different. But that doesn't happen if Jacob doesn't change to Israel. And what I love about this text so much is that the text implies that throughout all these years, Esau was wrestling too. Esau was wrestling with the fact that maybe I need to change. But guess what Esau could have been doing all these years? Esau could have been getting more bitter and bitter and bitter and bitter. And he had 400 guys with him. Esau could have done that. But the text implies just as just as Jacob met God, the text implies Esau did too. Because this is not the same Esau that we met. So could it be plausible? Could it be possible that Esau did some wrestling too? <laughs> so cool. 
Esau did some wrestling too. And this is the great thing about when you see people change. Don't assume that you're the only one Jesus is wrestling with. Don't assume that you're the only one that Jesus is wrestling with. So if Jesus is wrestling with me, and then sometimes in our own pride, we can say, well, look at all the things that I've changed, but you're the same. Jesus is wrestling with everybody else too. So never assume that you're the only one. Never assume that. Jacob had his wrestle. Esau had his wrestle. And then you have two people coming together that's tired of fighting. It gets to a point, guys, where you're just tired of fighting. I'm just, I don't want to fight anymore. You know what I mean? You just get tired. You get tired of it. Jacob was tired, Israel now, and Esau's tired. And now he runs to meet him. And now what's cool here, now you have these two grown men. Israel has a family. Esau has a family. Watch verse 5. He lifted up his eyes, and he saw the women and children. Imagine Esau, you know, hugging his brother, uh, weeping with his brother. He's like, who is that that looks just like you? Who who are all these kids? Who who are these who are these girls? Who is that? Who are who are these with you, man? These are my kids. The, look, these these are my kids, man. That God has graciously, it's like a family reunion. These are my kids. These are these are people that I've met. These are people that I married. The, these are my kids. And the maid servants, verse six, they came near and their children, and then all of them bowed down too. And then Leah came near with her children. So imagine just all these kids and people coming. And then they all bowed down with Rachel. And then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. Esau said, look, the things that you're giving me, brother, I got enough. Isn't it interesting that when somebody changes, I don't need you to prove to me that you changed. I don't need you to grovel at my feet that you changed. I don't need you to do all this and and go through all these hoops for, well, you know, you did this for all these years. So in order for me to feel better, you got to do all these things for me to even consider. Jacob didn't even, or Esau didn't even accept anything that Jacob had to offer. Esau said, I have enough. Here's the thing, guys, and I don't want you to miss this nugget. When a brother, when a sister, when a friend, when a family member, when anybody comes to you in that type of humility, that's enough. And if you are trying to ask for more, they're not the person that needs to change. You are. You are. Esau said, I got enough. I've got enough, brother. I've got my brother back. I don't need all these extra hoops. I don't need all these extra things that you have for me. My brother has come to me in humility. I have enough. And I love what the text says. I have enough. And then what does it say? I have enough, my brother. Here's the thing about people. To us, people are just people. But to Jesus, people are his treasure. And when when you accept your brother 
that is enough. If it's enough for Jesus, it should be enough for me. Watch what he says at the end of verse 9. Keep what you have. Keep what you have for yourself. You take it. But then watch what Jacob says, verse 10. No, brother, please, if I found favor in your sight, please receive my present from my hand. In so much I've seen your face as though I've seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Please take the blessing that's brought to you. Please do it. Because God has been so gracious. How many times has Israel now, how many times have he said God has been gracious to me? You know, when somebody changes, they don't talk about themselves anymore and they don't talk about their stories anymore. They talk about how gracious God has been. That's a telltale sign. When you talk to somebody and all they talk about is them, they haven't changed yet. But when you talk to somebody and all they can say is God has been gracious to me, they're they're different. They're different now. God has been gracious, and it's because I have enough. So he urged him. So Jacob loved his brother so much. Look, please just take it. Please, please take it. And so Esau only took it because Israel or Jacob said, okay, fine, I'll take it. I'll take it. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So, guys, here's kind of the lesson here. And, again, read the rest of 33 for yourself. Great chapter. But the lesson is, I know you don't believe me, but Jesus has changed me. Maybe it's not the fact that other people have changed. Maybe the question we need to be asking ourselves is, am I the one that needs to change? Maybe I am. But unless you get to that point that you wrestle with God, Unfortunately, with some of us, God is going to have to take you low in order for you to understand your position in his kingdom. And I've been one of those guys. He's going to have to take you low. And I don't wish that on you. I don't, I don't, I do not wish that on you. But because of God's mercy and love for you, that's just what he's going to have to do. But if it gets to that point where you come out of that fight with God limping, you're going to be you're going to be a better person. I promise you that. You're going to be a better person. You see why this everybody had excitement about this one? I cannot wait for you guys to check this one out. Share this with somebody, be a part of the conversation. You will not be the first one that will reach out. If if you want help, if you want prayers, if you're trying to change, if you're trying to get better, please reach out to us. We want we want to hear from you guys on all our social media platforms, leave comments on the YouTube pages, leave comments on the Instagram pages, on the Facebook pages. We're all here. We want to help you guys and we want to be a part of walking with you so we can we can really look at Christ. So love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Um, Lord willing, we'll be back with another podcast on Monday. Thanks, guys.